Dr. Michelotti of Helena Orthopedic Clinic grew up in Butte. My next door neighbor in Butte was the trainer for Butte High School. And so pretty much from third grade on, I was in the Butte High training room and that had a lot of influence on me. We get to care for people with everything from ankle fractures to hip fractures in older folks, elbow fractures or injuries in little kids. Most people come to you with a problem that most of the time we can fix. Hopefully we've made their lives a little bit better. Helena Orthopedic Clinic, now taking appointments at their new location in Butte. Hi, I'm Tommy Malant, a 2020 Mariah's Challenge scholarship winner. And here's what Mariah's Challenge means to me. It means establishing moral principles and adhering to them regardless of peer pressure. It means saying no to underage drinking and never getting into a vehicle with a driver who is impaired. It means being a leader and not let others around you accept underage drinking or let anyone you know get in a car with someone who is impaired. It means pursuing excellence and not letting alcohol and drugs take that away from you. It means setting a positive example for the generations that follow. I'm Tommy Malad, and I accept Mariah's challenge. I hope you join me and show that you too are Butte Tough. Today's podcast is presented by Lescovar Honda. For the past year, I've been telling you how impressed I was when my wife and I bought a 2018 Honda Civic for our daughter. Not only have we had peace of mind sending our little girl on the road for college, we have had great service ever since. Recently, I decided I had enough of the gas guzzler my wife drives, nickel and diming us to death. So, we decided to go back to Lescovar Honda. We did our research and decided we wanted a Honda CRV. We met with John Davis one Saturday afternoon, and he showed us his inventory. We found a nice 2020, and we took it for a test drive and fell in love. Lescovar Honda gave us a fair trade-in for our guzzler, and less than two hours after we arrived, we headed home with our new CRV. We don't have to worry about this car nickel and diming us to death because it comes with Lescovar's incredible 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty. Yes, you heard that right. 20 years, 200,000 miles. The new car is great, and my wife even lets me drive it sometimes. If we only went to Lescovar instead when we bought our 2016 gas guzzler seven years ago. When you find yourself in the market for a new or used vehicle, do what I do and go to Lescovar Honda. Like me, you will become a Lescovar customer for life. Lescovar Honda is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast and the Athletes of the Week. Now, let's get the show started. Welcome to the Buttecast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad, Bill Foley. Even before I met him, Dr. Neil Rogers was a part of my life. I heard him on the radio all the time, giving great advice on health and wellness in 30-second ads. His ads were never telling the listeners to visit his office or to promote his own practice. Instead, he just gave good advice and closed his commentary by saying a message from Dr. Neil Rogers. It was almost 20 years ago when I met Dr. Rogers for the first time. It was before I gave up drinking alcohol. I had too much one night and decided to fight my brother. It ended with my nose being moved to the side of my face. So, I went to Dr. Rogers. He packed my nose and then moved it back into place by using a highly sophisticated piece of medical equipment. His thumb and index finger. 
It hurt so bad that for the first time I contemplated giving up drinking for good. I wanted to make sure that that never happened again. After that, I got to know Dr. Rogers a little bit as he treated my son for his food allergies. I learned so much from those visits and that treatment made life so much better for my boy. I'm going to venture to guess that thousands of patients over the past 50 years would say the same thing about Dr. Rogers. Dr. Rogers retired a little more than a year ago. He is 77 years old, but he acts more like he is 37. You can find him many days playing noon ball or working out at the Knights of Columbus. I decided years ago that I was too old to play at the KC, and I will turn 50 this year. Dr. Rogers is still going strong at 77. He really is amazing. Yesterday, I met with Dr. Rogers in the coach's corner at the Metal Sports Bar and Grill for a great conversation. Listen in as Dr. Rogers talks about growing up in a small mining town in Pennsylvania. Listen as he talks about going to medical school in upstate New York and meeting his best friend over a cadaver. Listen in as he talks about moving to Butte with his wife, Dr. Linda Rogers. Listen as he talks about his years as a doctor and his lifetime working as a photographer. Listen in as he talks about how his retired life just might be busier than a lot of people who are still working. Dr. Rogers really is a fascinating man. If you are enjoying these conversations with these interesting people from Butte and beyond, make sure to thank our sponsors. Tell them you heard them on the ButteCast. Also, if you would like your business on the podcast, drop me a line at full 74 at gmail.com. That's F-O-L-E-S 74 at gmail.com. First, though, let's catch up with one of the most interesting men you will ever hear, Dr. Neil Rogers. Well, Doc, uh, I appreciate your time today, and it's it's good to see you when my nose is straight going into the conversation. Okay. Yeah, because we've been there the other way around. Yes, we have. It's yeah. been, been a great ride in Butte, so. Yeah. Now, you, you've been retired for a little over a year now? Yeah, you're, you're in two months. Really? How's and, and you're not, your retirement life seems like it's almost as busy as your work life. I'm really busy. I have lots of projects going on. You know, uh, I have a... German Shepherd at home I gotta hike with and walk with every day and nice. you know I don't get to the gym like I used to but uh, you know because we live south of town so yeah so it's it's a 20-minute ride in every day so it, I don't come in often how old your Shepherd five five so still fairly fairly active and active and, and listens we had Jack Russell Terriers before and you know, they'd look yeah. at you and say well maybe I'll do what you want when I'm ready <laughs> the Shepherds are good the dogs. Shepherd Instant. It's amazing. Was boy or girl? A girl. What would you name her? Juno. Juno. Yeah. After uh, the Oh, my wife came her. up with that name. Really? It's after some Roman goddess or something yeah. like that. So. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. dogs will keep you young, won't they? You got to make sure you're out yeah. walking. One of the best investments you can make in your health. Yeah. Yeah, because I, for a while there, I had to, you know, have to walk as my dog. And then I started running more and, and the dog's running my marathon training partner is my dog and then you know you can't you can't take a day off of walking because no you can't it doesn't matter what the weather's like you got to do it except when it gets 25 below you know you're not out there feet (laughs) get cold and you don't want to be out anyway yeah i did i did take a couple days off during that you bet yeah that's 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 just not smart to be walking in 25 below though i've learned a few things over the years and that's one of them you bet 
That's, yeah, the weather here, it's been much milder. Our record at our house is minus 52 straight up, not wind chill yeah. in the early 80s. And we haven't seen anything close to that. Although last month it was minus 40, so. Yeah, that was, that was cold. Yeah. I was running my dishwasher over and over because my pipes froze in the dishwasher a couple of years ago. And oh. So I got a new dishwasher now, so I make sure I run in the thing yeah. the whole day. But um, no, one of the... You know, I, of course, I met you. It was 20 years ago this April when I, when I, you know, decided to try to fight my brother and broke my nose, and you had to straighten it out for me. But I've known who you are. It's like you've been part of my our life, pretty much everybody for my whole life, because I could always remember listening to the radio and hearing a message from Dr. Neil Rogers. And I always I learned so much from that. I remember you, you know, use butter, not margarine. It was always really good tips. And none of them were like, hey, come see me. I'm the ear, nose, and throat doctor up here on, you know, on Montana Street. It was in Montana and... Uh, and Mercury. And Mercury. You, never, you were never saying, come see me for this. You know, it was always uh, it was just like a public servant message. I always really liked that. Yeah, it was. You know, I worked with the radio stations, and they did a great job. You know, uh, I started with Fran and ended up with the Davis family, and... You know, they were just good to me, and I had 30-second spots, and every week or every month I had to come up with four 30-second spots. And, you know, I'd fumble through them sometimes, yeah. and I'd repeat them three or four times. One day I set a record, I did all four commercials and did make a mistake. But most of the really? times you do part of it, and it, you flub it, and then you go back. Oh, yeah. But we always came up with good messages. I didn't want to be an advertiser, but there's so many people that are wanting to know what's in the news, What's with yeah. health? How you do this? How you treat this? You know, they hit dead ends in their medical treatment, and they don't know whether to go to their chiropractor, their naturopath, their MD, PA, or nurse practitioner. They don't know how to handle it, so I was just helping them along. Yeah. I thought it was great. Of course, I'm breaking one of your uh, rules by drinking a Mountain Dew. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you told me to avoid no, the sugary dad I drinks. can't make comments about <laughs> products. I did that once, and I got my head handed to did me. Did you? Oh, one commercial, I can't say the name. Yeah. But you know, you it was not specific. good. Yeah. We were talking about pop, and I mentioned a brand name. And, oh, yeah. You know, 11 teaspoons of uh, sugar per can, and that didn't go over well. Yeah. It does. But, yeah. <laughs> they called you up and, uh, yeah. and raised hell. Sure. But one of the things I started doing in the practice, you know, you start working with people i had my allergy practice and working about foods and things like that and you'd always ask people what they eat and what they drink and the answers can amaze you yeah my record pop person was nine and a half liters a day wow he had been endoscoped four times did he have on, any teeth yeah he did he was a big <laughs> kid about yeah. 100 220 pounds yeah. um but he had had stomach pain. He was on three Prilosec a day, and the doctors couldn't figure him out. So he came in for some sinus thing. We started talking. He says, oh, my stomach's just killing me. What can yeah. I do? You know, I said, well, you know, let's go through your diet a little bit. And we start, got to the pop thing, and it was like, yeah. you know, two big liter jugs in the morning. And he'd finish that by 10 and then refill two of them and then do it in the afternoon again and in the evening it's just monstrous and that's insane he, yeah. yeah it's insane and, yeah. and my record coffee person's uh what is it 110 cups a day they had these 48 <laughs> cup pot <laughs> thing this one uh, guy was a truck dispatcher yeah. and he had the whole 48 cup thing to himself and he'd finished two of them a day he was 96 and then i had somebody come in and she hit 110 
Because I asked, I said, how many pots do you have at home? How big's your pot? Wow. You know, oh yeah, about 10 pots a day. And, uh, well, even water's not good for you if you drink that much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it dilutes you too much. Yeah. The, the water uh, deal is a half your weight in ounces is optimum. Yeah. And if you go over that, you know, if you're exercising, doing heavy stuff, running marathons like you do, uh, you might need a little more, but that's yeah. optimum. If you get three quarters of that, you're doing great. Yeah. And I've seen uh, where they've had people who get, I mean, actually die from drinking too much water, like during training or marathons and stuff. Yeah, their sodium drops and potassium drops, and all of a sudden they get a hard arrhythmia. Yeah. Things happen. That's crazy. But 110 cups of coffee. <laughs> Honest to God. I can't believe it. Yeah. I would give lectures at my allergy society, and I'd, I'd have people raise their hands yeah. to see who would even come close for both of those. And nobody had seen it. I said, go home. Please yeah. beat my records. Ask your patients. Yeah. And nobody ever beat those. Well, 10 cups of coffee seems like a really a lot amount of coffee. Yeah. I want 110. It's, it's the way it is. Yeah, you probably saw a lot of, a lot of crazy things over the years then. As a doctor. Well, for, for, well, you're a doctor for, what, 50-some years? I graduated med school in 71, mm. and I moved to Butte in 79 after my residency. I was back east in Albany, New York. Yeah. And that's where I met Linda, my wife, and we moved out to Montana. We looked all over the West to come somewhere and interviewed Billings, Bozeman, looked at Kalispell, looked in Salt Lake, and we came to Butte, and people here were just amazing. Yeah. It was the people. Yeah. There was an ENT doc here at the time named Bradley Hales and Dr. Dennis McCarthy was here and met Linda and me and but Brad brought us up to his uh, place up on uh, up on Walkerville Hill he had a trailer in the backcountry up there when nobody had houses up there in those yeah. days and all the doctors came to this dinner and took me fishing did this and that you know and we just met nice people that was three quarters yeah. of the reason to move here so we made the decision one day get married move to butte start the practices it was a big day buy the property that we live on at yeah. this time was your wife a doctor too yeah she is a pediatrician really so she's from warden montana okay and grew up and got a scholarship to uc santa barbara and, and she then, worked as a pediatrician in butte for years yeah Till 96. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've visited her a time or two. You might have. Back in the day. So. When I was, of course, I don't remember that nearly as much as my broken nose experience, but. <laughs> you never forget those moments. <laughs> no. I was telling you before how the last yeah. time I broke mine, you know, at the KC playing basketball, one of the yeah. good friends, you know, just turned his head the wrong way and my nose went over to the side. I go, oh my Lord, that yeah. hurt. And I went upstairs, looked at it, and I didn't really want to run down to Dr. Kaufman. That afternoon, because I had office hours, so, yeah. I, so I put it back. It okay. bled a little bit, but it wasn't bad. You straightened your nose out, and then you went and took office calls? Yeah. Wow. I, after my nose, you straightened my nose out. I went and laid on the couch for three days. Okay. <laughs> well, yours is bad. That's a different thing than a little. Yeah, mine was over in the side. Yeah. But, yeah. As I told you, so, I went to put my glasses on, and yeah. they didn't fit. Yeah. But, you know, the Mining City has a lot of different levels of pathology we we have a lot of older people in this town yeah and the young people are pretty active and vibrant and you know so there's a lot of illness and accidents and things like that when i came here there were no seatbelts, so yeah. we had accidents facial injuries i worked with uh 
Dr. Paul Sims a lot, who was an oral surgeon that moved here, and he was an expert at the facial Dude, fractures, yeah. much better than I ever was. Just bouncing their face off the window. Oh and my the, God, the, the steering dashboard. wheel going through, going through the windshield, yeah. all these terrible things. And seat belts came, that changed, and then most of the injuries are lower extremities, so the orthopedic surgeons would see a lot of them. And at that time, we had a neurosurgeon, Dr. Bagasdos, and then when Pete Serini started, we had Pete, and after we didn't have neurosurgeons, all those cases left town. Yeah. A couple of great doctors you mentioned there. Oh, Dr. great people. And Serini. Oh, yeah. I yeah. see uh, Dr. Bagasdos' son, Aaron, is a world-class photographer. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I see a lot of that on the Instagram where he posts, and he's, he's a top drawer wildlife landscape photographer, very famous. Wow. So that's fun. I, really, I remember when they were going to school in town, I didn't know any of the kids. They were younger than me. Yeah. So I didn't know any so. of them. Now, now, where did you grow up? All right, so I grew up in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania, a small mining town. Shenandoah? Shenandoah is the yeah. name, not the Shenandoah Valley. This yeah, is a Shenandoah. small coal mining town. Yeah. And it's almost the duplicate of Butte. No kidding. We had a square mile set between mountains, uh, mining all over the place. High school collapsed with the mining shaft. We had <laughs> really? 300 bars. And the language is okay. almost the same as really? Butte. Yeah. We didn't, didn't say Tapper Light, though. No Tapper That's Light. That's a Butte thing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, because yeah, well, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of ties between Butte and Pennsylvania. The yeah. unions, you know, the Wobblies were originally in Pennsylvania, weren't they? If I remember right. What is it now? The Wobblies, the International Workers of the World. I didn't the, know that. I think they, I could be wrong on that. I don't know that. I think I'm judging that there's a movie once about the yeah. Wobblies. So. But. Yeah, and then I, uh, I went to college at a place called Lehigh University and left after, graduated after three years yeah. and went to med school in Albany, New York. I went to Albany for one reason, was close to skiing, in all really? honesty. And it was a great school. It yeah. was just a fun place to be. We had great training. You know, good medical training, and I met my best friend. He was captain of Dartmouth rugby, and we had a rugby team. We played rugby for four really? years. Oh yeah, rugby. So. Now that did you break your nose playing rugby ever? No, I didn't break anything. Really? I was I wasn't the best tackler, put it that way, but yeah. I was really fast yeah. at that time. That's what I had a football player tell me. He uh, played for Tech, and he finished his football career, and then he was playing rugby for the, the Tech team up there. And he said every football player should have to play rugby. Because you learn how to tackle yeah. without leading with your head and exactly. you know, hurting your neck and stuff. Exactly. Because you know, you you're can't. you not leading with your face when you don't have a face no. mask on. <laughs> That's true. But, and then, uh, you know, I, this is a great small town for me because I got to play basketball at the time. And, yeah. You know, and I played high school. And when I came here, started, you know, playing ball up at Tech when Kelvin was here. Oh, really? Kelvin Sampson. Uh, and uh, my wife and I took care of his kids, and we were good friends with them. And every noon we had a game up at Tech at that time. So I'd go up there and play. That was my lunch hour. And that worked yeah. out great. Uh, my staff just yeah. understood I had a need, need to get that exercise. Yeah. Did you play when Coach Green showed up and started playing? Yep. Because uh, he, he specialized in the hook shot from the corner, yeah. if I remember right. <laughs> yeah. And then when Kelvin left, the, they shut down the Hyper that summer to rebuild it. And uh, I was over at John's Pork Chop and ran into Dan Ono Harrington. And no. He said, come over to KC. We have a game every noon. I didn't know anything about it after yeah. three years of being in Butte. And I went up there, and I've been there ever since. Yeah, so that, that's I, a great place. I have to bless Bernie Boyle for keeping that place alive. Yeah, and, I and would he not, does, too. I would not be, and 
I, most of my friends would not be the athletes they are today yeah. without that gym. Now, were you a good, pretty good athlete as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. What, what else did you play all the sports? Uh, we, I didn't play baseball or football. Yeah. I, they wanted me to, and I, I just didn't want to play football. There was something about it for yeah. me. I didn't want, maybe yeah. it was a fear of getting hurt, but basketball was a true love. Yeah. Uh, like you, I was a Celtics fan. I was going to be 6'5 and play yeah. for the Boston Celtics. That yeah. was my dream. That's what I thought. Yeah, my brother kept telling me I wasn't, but I thought for sure I was going to yeah. be a point guard for the Boston Celtics. So during my day, it was Bill Russell and yeah. Charmin and Cousy and, and those players yeah. back in the day. And then I worked at a summer camp, and the owner of the summer camp, I was a counselor, was the owner of the Philadelphia Warriors. So he'd bring up his players. So at that time, I got to play ball with Will Chamberlain, Paul Arizon, uh, no, okay. Guy Russell, Walt Hazard. I mean, I was not not good. Yeah. You know, not like the kids I played Just with Just to today. be on the same court Just to be on them. the court with them and see the size of them and how they move and how graceful they are. It's different in person, no matter yeah. how much TV you watch. In person's a whole different yeah. ball game. Did you score any points against Wilt? Yeah, right. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't post <laughs> like, him up. <laughs> that's like watch a whip of my, you know, just put his hand. Yeah. No, it was. I didn't. I just tried to shoot from outside. Yeah. You know, he had, he brought up some great players from Philadelphia to play with, yeah. with those guys. It was just awesome. So you were pretty dang good then in basketball. I was decent. Yeah. I'm not real good. I'm getting way worse. Yeah. Old and slow. <laughs> you know. You're still playing though. That's true. Which is amazing. How old are you now? 77 and a half. And, and you're playing, you play noon ball if there's a game when you get in yeah. your town. Yeah, but I'm, I'm the old guy, you know. I don't get past yeah. too much. Well, Henry Klobuchar's the old guy, and he's, what, 55, maybe 56? Oh, yeah. you know, Henry was a great player. Yeah. Oh, my God, that I mean, and guy he, can he, shoot. But he's old for playing noon ball. Oh, yeah. At 56 or 55. And yeah. I'm guessing he, he graduated, graduated in 86, so he must be right around 56. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. But Henry's a good friend. He, he's a good, been, great guy. We've been close, and uh, yeah, he's he has skills. And his, you know, his younger son. Yeah, Cooper. Cooper. Oh my goodness, he came back to play with us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He's so big, and he's gotten so fast, and he's lost a ton of weight. I hope he does well down at Western. Yeah. So he's one of the best passers you'll see. You know, he was a great passer and a great shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just it was so big. You know, kind of it, it hurt him defensively, but he he had a, he had a really good career at Butte High. And he was it, fantastic. I watched yeah. him play in those playoffs. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, he carried him in a lot of games, yeah. and he's a nice kid too. You bet. Yeah, I, hopefully he does well on the football team there. I think he could just be a superstar. Yeah, on that offensive line, he probably could play basketball for him too if he's getting if he's in he, really he good shape. He could, but he's got to be a little quicker to do that. Yeah. He's probably getting quicker now with the. He's much faster. Yeah, but still, you got to be. Yeah. You got to be fast to play college basketball. You do. Basketball. Oh, it's changed so much. Yeah. You know. Well, just even in the days like uh, like you think of the Rick Dessing teams that were really good at tech, they, they'd be they'd struggle in the Frontier Conference today. Right. You know, just not not nothing against those guys, but the Frontier Conference is just it, it's like probably on the level the Big Sky Conference was thirty four years, years ago. ago. Sure. Yeah. Well, just the average player that comes up to play, yeah. the young kids that I'm playing with at the gym that are in high school, and their hand skills and their shooting skills in yeah. ninth and 10th grade, they're way better than we ever were back in the day. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you probably never had a basketball camp to go to or anything, did you? Well, that camp, what I worked at, yeah, just, we played every day. Did you? We had a couple hours in the morning and yeah. hours in the evening. and so, But never went to that type of camp. Yeah, these kids, they focus so... 
much. Of course, they start playing in these travel teams now pretty young, and they get pretty structured and pretty good at basketball. Yeah, you bet. So what, what's your game against them? You, you still about the three-pointer? or you? No, my three-pointer, I don't have the arm strength I used to have. Yeah. So anything inside that three-point line, I'm decent, yeah. but I don't have the quick move to get open. So if I'm open, I'll, I'll make a third of the shots with somebody near me. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. And I can run up and down the court. That's half the battle at this age, you know. Yeah, so. just getting up and down the court. Yeah, I can run. Not yeah. fast, though. You know, <laughs> all the good players, they make one quick move left or right, and I, yeah. they're gone past well, me. Well, and then you're up after you're done playing basketball. You usually get in one of the machines or something in the gym. Well, yeah, I got a little bit of weights. But, you know, I was always tight on time. You know, to yeah. get back to the office, I'd be back at the office 115, 130. Yeah. So, you know, and get a shower, you don't want to be all smelly and going back to the office. So, yeah. So that was sort of the routine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when nobody's there now, we don't have the game like we used to, you know, go down, run on the court, shoot, practice, go up and lift weights, and that's a good day. Yeah. Did you have a hoop at your house when you were younger? Yeah. Did Hoop at the house. Actually, we had a Charles Chips can in the backyard because we didn't have a big backyard. It was a little row house that I grew up in. Yeah. And we'd play with it. My brother and I would play with a tennis ball, you know, and that's what we did. And then we, down the street from us two blocks away, there was a little court that I played all the time on. Really? Yeah. Did your dad work in the mines? No. My dad uh, manufactured ladies' blouses. Oh, really? So, yeah, he was going to be a teacher after World War II. And uh, his father had started this factory. His mom, his father died, and his mom was running it. And he was trying to decide and came back and ran that thing. So he ran it until he retired late, late 60s, early oh, really? 70s. So. so most of the kids, their dads were probably miners, right? No, actually... Account? They weren't, because what really? happened was that when I moved there, the mining for anthracite hard coal faded. Oh, okay. And it was just at the end of the mining, and all the areas around there had been broken up and mined and all that riprap, you know, that that's left after a big mining yeah. uh, program. That's what that part of Pennsylvania was like. The soft coal places kept going, and they're the ones that supply the coal now. But yeah. that hard coal, we had a hard coal... Uh, uh, furnace, you know, with a corkscrew that would bring it in. For, you know, the truck would come to the house and it dumped the coal in the bin that you had, and then this corkscrew would run it into the furnace and heat the house. Really? Yeah, that's the way it was. In different this is the old days, you know. We had yeah. milk delivered in my early days by horse and buggy. Yeah. <laughs> was, was, was there a lot of uh, pollution in the air? No. From that? The air was clean. Was it? Yeah, it was a clean town. Now, is that town still around? Is yep. It? It's faded a lot. You know, yeah. a lot of other towns around it have grown up, and but uh, I haven't been back maybe in 20 years now. Yeah, and there's a bunch of those little towns like that in Pennsylvania. All over the place. Like I think Dr. Uh, Dr. DeJoven came from Aliquippa. Aliquippa. Aliquippa, which is the hometown of Mike Ditka. Right. Is and it a similar kind of town? A uh, little bigger. Yeah. Great football teams came out of that yeah, town. Yeah. Unbelievable athletes. That's yeah. a great place. Congratulations to this week's Lescovar Honda Athletes of the Week. Butte High swimmers Lily Jackshaw and Nathan Stone. Jackshaw, a senior, takes home the girls' honor after posting her best times last week. She is a captain of the Bulldog team. She has improved her times every week while placing in the top 10. Stone, a sophomore, is the leader of the boys' team. He placed in the top 10 of every meet this season while shaving time off of his personal records. The Bulldog swimmers will compete at the state meet February 8th through 10th in Great Falls. Congratulations, Lily and Nathan, and thank you, Lescovar Honda, for honoring the hardworking student-athletes of the Mining City. 
Hey, Butte America, John Davis here at Lascavar Honda. We want to wish all of you a happy new year and invite you down to see our newest selection of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Most of our vehicles come with a 20-year, 200,000-mile powertrain warranty, and all of them come with free car washes for life. If you're in the market for a rental car, we have everything to rent from five passenger vehicles all the way up to a 13 passenger vehicles. Stop on down and see us, Lascavar Honda. Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef. But did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grande's, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grande's can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertoglio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Is your house too cold or is it too hot? Either way, Lockmer Sheet Metal is here to help. With more than 40 years of experience in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning trade, Lockmer Sheet Metal strives to bring you quality service and knowledgeable work to help with your HVAC projects or needs. Lockmer Sheet Metal offers repair services for all forced air, central air systems, installation of new HVAC systems, service contracts for maintenance and service, all residential and commercial applications, fabrication of sheet metal for all types of projects, and ventilation and exhaust systems. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerSheetMetal.com to warm up or cool down with Lockmer Sheet Metal, your local dealer of train heating, cooling, air handling, and ventilation products. For all your home heating and cooling needs, remember Lockmer Sheet Metal. Did you guys have good football teams in high school? We did. We in the state championships a few times when I was in high school. Really? Yeah. And you, you were smart enough not to play, though. <laughs> I, was, I was probably the fastest kid in that school. Were you? When we had a track meet, I always won. Did you? But I was small. I was 155 pounds. At that time, you were a halfback. Yeah. You know, and I, something just clicked. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play basketball. That was my thing, so yeah. that's what I did. I concentrated right. on that. I assume you were good at school. Yeah, I did great. Yeah. I was pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, my most, dad helped me a most, lot. Most doctors, you know, usually didn't get you know straight yeah. D's. You know. Well, you know, <laughs> if you watch your doctors, I'll give you an interesting things. They're like you. You have photographic memory for sports. You're an incredible mind, yeah. and you take a guy like Pizzerini, John Pullman, and you watch those gentlemen. They're brilliant in a lot of ways, and they have that photo memory. Yeah. And. They can remember stuff like, remember old Pete, he'd remember every relative you had for three generations. He was really? amazing. Uh, and I didn't have that type of mind. Mine was more practical. It was a good mind, but not the photo mind. 
Yeah. So, you know, I went to school, med school, and I met my best friend over the cadaver. And when you start med school, you know, you got to have a cadaver and you got to dissect the poor thing and yeah. figure out all the muscles and stuff. And we get to the first test and he says, Neil, let's go to Ralph's and have a beer. I said, I can't. I got to study, don't you? Oh, no. I read it once. <laughs> That's it. And to this day, really, 50, 60 years later, he remembers it. Wow. It's, it's never gone. So he had a photographic memory for three-dimensional stuff, and a lot of docs that you'll meet are like that. Yeah. My wife and I are smart, but, you know, can't you hold a candle though, to those people, yeah. you know, which is fun. But, you know, very practical, but I had good hands, you know, so that's why I went in the surgery that I did. We're doing a lot of microscopic work and fine, delicate surgeries, and, yeah. you know. And that came from tying flies as a kid. I got taught to do that. So, you know, it was a good could set up to get your hands working. What's more fun, doing a surgery or tying the flies? Uh, tying flies, there's less danger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no sweat if you make a mistake. Yeah, you just you start know? over. Yeah. yeah, something starts. Flies don't bleed, put it that way. Yeah. Well, I always thought that to be a surgeon, how, how scary that would be just to, when you're making the first cut, you know, because if, if I'm painting my house, it takes me a little time to get the first brush on, yeah. you know. But when you're making that cut and doing it, because, you know, these guys are just exceptional people if you're a surgeon. Well, it's a big and, deal, you yeah. know. So when you're learning, you know, you're watching people that are skilled. Yeah. And then they let you do certain things. You get to make an incision. Then you get to do part of the surgeries and you learn the anatomy. Some of the surgeries are easy. Some of them are complex. And some of them are super complex, you know, in my field. So... Yeah. You know, the big things we did back then was a lot of this head and neck surgery. You know, people that get cancer and things yeah. like that. It can be difficult, you know, and there are large blood vessels and bleeding can occur. So the night before, my program was you always reread the procedure, study it, be ready. Because there's always, you know, this this looks easy. Yeah. Big lump, no problem. It's going to be simple. And you get in there and it's just everything changes. It wants to bleed a little more. The tissues are scarred, and you just have to work through it step by step, carefully, and keep your head about you and not get upset. You know, if something yeah. goes wrong. At that time, we had great staff at St. James that I worked with. We had great anesthesia people. You know, my best friend in town is Mikey Munlock, and that family. Oh, yeah. You know, and his daughter worked for me for years. They're just great people, and uh, most of the anesthesia people there were great, and the surgeons that we had at that time. You know, the Trimbles and the Nels and people like that were just phenomenal. And we had a great group. We played sports together. We had softball games. Oh, really? We had a lady named Cynthia Trudgeon who was like the OR secretary. And she set up all these summer activities. It was just, it was a great time to be imbued at that time. You mentioned Dr. Trimble. Yep. Is, is he still alive? alive or did he yeah, no, oh, he's he still back alive? in Butte. He, he? He, he left, went to Bullhead City, Arizona, and then okay. came back and he's, lives in Butte out. He's retired, south of I town. assume. He's retired. Yeah, he did a surgery on me in 1991. I had a hernia. And the reason, I, he was such a matter-of-fact guy. You know, he didn't beat around the bush. He didn't sugarcoat no. things. You know, he was just, no. to, to explain how it was. But my the reason I remember him so well is my grandpa came in. I was in the, they put me in, it wasn't, it was a little different than they do now. I wasn't like in a room downstairs. I was just like in a regular room upstairs. And they were getting ready for surgery. And they were going to take me down. And uh, my grandpa comes in and says, yeah, is your uh, your surgeon that redheaded guy with the beard? I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. They're they're trying to sober him up now. They're giving him coffee and splash him on. You know, it's just 
just you know you know like like dr trimble would ever be anything less than oh, God, but my grandpa teased me and I just, it's really funny with trimble uh when he came you know he was one of the beginning guys to do the endoscopic surgery for gallbladders oh yeah and he'd do it in 20 minutes he was that good he figured out how to do it he had the people from seattle coming over here to butte to go in the OR to see what his technique was because he was so much faster really? and efficient and had less complications than anyone around. My wife wanted to tattoo his name on her arm, you know, so if she got in an accident, you know, <laughs> see who Dr. you called. <laughs> he was in case a, of emergency, call oh, Dr. Was, Trimble. Yeah. He was such a special surgeon. He was just yeah, very gifted. Very gifted yeah. and smart. Yeah. Now, how old were you when you realized you wanted to go into medicine? Um, let's say I... I made the decision I was in my... I, Lehigh University was an engineering school, no. similar to tech. And I thought I was going to be an engineer. And, and this is the olden days now, so we had yeah. slide rolls and no computers. Yeah. And I watched those guys, and they worked their tail off. And all they <laughs> did is spent time sitting in the chair, and they couldn't do anything. Uh, and then I got lucky. I did really well in organic chemistry, and it sort of opened a lot of doors for me. And I just made up my mind. It wasn't, let's say, a well-thought-of decision. Yeah. The real smart decision was after I got to med school to decide what field I wanted to go into yeah. so I could have a life of, you know, having wonderful things to do, not having too much stress. There are certain, yeah. you know, certain uh, specialties like OBGYN, ortho. Yeah, where you're on call General all surgery. the time. Well, we were on call a lot. We right. came to Butte. We were on call every other night, every other weekend. Really? With no ER docs. You know, so it was, you're yeah. called for St. James ER. You're called for Silver Bow Hospital. And, you know, we live 20 minutes out. My wife was always coming in. Yeah. You know, she had C-sections. She had to attend. But, you know, so it turned out it was the best decision we ever made. Yeah. You know, and, and that way I figured I could have some free time, which I managed to do over my lifetime. I was very fortunate. But we worked our tails off when we were yeah. in town. So you're—I uh, can't think of the the word for the study, but ear, nose, and throat. Right. There's a big word for that. I care. Oh, otolaryngology. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible with big. That's words. okay. <laughs> you don't have to remember those yeah. things. Yeah, I those are the ones I can just cut and paste if I want to put it in a story, right? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, and so how come you decided to to go for that field? Well, again, it was friendships. So the guy that I met in med school that I told you about with the photographic yeah. memory, so he did his residency in Sacramento, and we decided when we were juniors, we sat down and talked about what type of life we'd like to have, what type of hands, we were both surgical oriented, yeah. like to do that stuff. So uh, what we wanted to do, and then the department in our hospital at Albany had great people, you know, and they're sort of like, I don't know, People I hang out with, they're a lot like the orthopedic doctors. Everyone's into sports, yeah. loves to do stuff, is active. And then a second, you know, a whole second life after medicine is outside of the hospital. And they were just so encouraging to come in. And then the actual docs themselves were so friendly and helpful. So I'll give you an example. This is my perfect example. Mm -hmm. So if you go into internal medicine... Okay, yeah. and you're on the floor, and the big chief goes around. He makes rounds. Then you got the chief resident, and then the junior resident. Then you got the intern. So the big chief goes to the intern. He says, "Doctor so and so, why don't you tell me about thyroiditis? What's that?" Hmm. And the intern goes, 
geez, I'm sorry, doctor, I, I really don't know much about that. And then he just gets torn up. Yeah. You stupid, I can't <laughs> believe you don't know this. And then right. he goes to the next resident, next resident. So it's really wow. a hierarchy. Okay, in my specialty, the way I was trained, uh, Dr. Rogers, do you know about thyroiditis? That's an inflammation of thyroid. Well, I'm not really an expert on that. He said, well, great. You go home, you look this up, up and tomorrow morning you're going to give us a lecture on the rounds. That was the environment. It was a learning yeah. environment. Not, you know, and if you think about internal medicine, all those guys are brilliant photographic memory guys. They can remember the article, the date, the year it was published, and the three authors on them. They're that smart. They right. read it once. Like on Goodwill Hunting when he remembers the, yeah. in the movie, he remembers the page and every, of the book yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Pullman's like that. He's brilliant. Is he? Oh. Crazy. He's also a basketball player, too. You yeah, probably... John played. You know, John played at the KC. I paid. I hear he was really competitive too. Is that always? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you're going to play. You play to win, right? Oh well, not anymore. (laughs) I just played. (laughs) You just played. But yeah, no, you like to win. In those days, you know, we were all pretty good, so we ran hard and had a lot of fun. Yeah, I've never met Doctor Pullman, but uh, his brother is one of my all-time favorite actors. Yes, he is. He's in so many good movies that I just like. Malice is one of my. uh, it's with the, it's about the doctor. Have yeah. you seen that with uh, oh, what's his name uh, Baldwin? Uh, that one who just is in trouble for the death on the set. Uh, yeah, oh, Alec yeah. Baldwin. He was a, he played the doctor and 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 he was and it was just a great movie. Oh yeah. Of course, it's probably because there was a tense moment at the, with uh, oh, I can't even, Nicole Kidman's his ex-wife, you know, and just an intense moment and she squeeze she squeezes and breaks a glass, you know, and and she says, well, what do you want? He says, well, I want what everybody wants. I want the Red Sox to win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably why I like that movie. Oh, yeah. Dr. Bill, Bill Pullman delivered that. Bill is great. You know, I only met him once, but my wife spent a fair amount of time with him when they were working on uh, some of the large projects with Northwestern Energy when they existed, you know, running power lines through certain areas of Butte, oh, yeah. right through town. And he was very helpful. Really? Really. Not. Down-to-earth guy, yeah. you know. So uh, what percentage of your friends are doctors then? You got a now, of, yeah. most of my friends are from the Knights of Columbus. Are they? Okay. The guys I played sports with. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of my doctor friends have retired now at this stage. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got a bunch of friends from med school. And, uh, you know, I got Terry Scott's sort of my age group, Dr. Nell's. And then, you know, the orthopedic surgeons, Gallagher, DeJovin, yeah. Blavatsky. You know, they were compatriots and yeah. we did a lot together dr scott is he still in practice yep yep i had to go see him once or twice too <laughs> great great yeah. guy yeah he's been very special to us yeah so i really like he's another matter of fact kind of guy doesn't be exactly. well bush. you can't you have to be <laughs> yeah. you know you got to sit down probably a trait for doctor good doctors as right? a physician you got to sit down and explain things in common terms yeah and take your time that's the biggest yeah. thing. Sit down and talk to people. That's the biggest deal. Yeah. And you, when you're going on a day as a, as a doctor, you're seeing a lot of different, you're seeing a wide variety of, right. of the issues. You might see a, a little kid with a cold. You might see somebody with cancer or something. It's a wide range that you're seeing every day. I was wondering how doctors uh, can keep a pretty good positive outlook because you're seeing some of the worst stuff. And sometimes, and the outcomes, I mean, you've seen, I mean, a lot of your patients over the years are end up going to, they're going to succumb to their disease if it's like cancerous or something like that. I always thought it'd be kind of tough because you get to know these people, then you lose them or 
Yeah, well, cancer is so, always tough. Yeah. You know, so you do the best you can. You, you become a little hardened from the point of view of, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the best words to put it. You know, you try and stay aloof in some ways, but you want to involve yourself with the family. You want to emotionally do everything you can for them. Yeah. Have them have your phone. You know, I mean, they had my phone numbers. They could call me, especially yeah. the bad cancer patients or their yeah. wives or spouses or husbands, you know, and then do everything you can to be sympathetic, especially as things go bad. Yeah. You know, and the patients are wonderful themselves. You know, they, they understand we're doing everything they can. And, you know, my philosophy was we have wonderful physicians in this state. And, you know, when you come in and, God forbid, you get a head and neck cancer, you know, you say, you know, I'm the little guy in Butte, Montana. Okay. Yeah. And then I have colleagues in Missoula uh, that I could refer to for second opinions that are world class. Yeah. You know, and, you know, most a lot of our super specialists are over there. So they would feel comfortable. And then they come back and, you know, we'd have a long term relationship. So that worked out pretty nice for them. And then when, you know, the eventual end comes, it's it's difficult, you know, because we're both sad and you know what's happening and we talk about it. I'm real yeah. open with patients with it, yeah. you know, because if you beat around the bush and ignore them, you're just mean. It's just not nice to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is the best thing you can do is to be completely open with them. Yeah. You know, you can go to their house if you have to. It's okay. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't do that anymore. That's the olden days. Yeah. But Did you do those house calls? On occasion, rare. Yeah. If they asked and I needed to go, we'd do it. Yeah. You know, but most times in the evenings, I'd have meet me at the office because we had to do something. They yeah. had bleeding or they had pain or I needed yeah, to you need your, touch something your up or fix here. a stitch or something like that. But, yeah. but, you know, that's the thing from like the leave it to beaver stuff like that. You see the doctor coming over with his little stethoscope, you know, stethoscope and the little, the little black bag, bag you yeah, know, you got it. Yeah. You got and it. then they'd, uh, yeah, you don't, I don't know if there was ever, if that was really a time like that or if that was just in the TV show. No, somewhere. when I was a kid, our doc came to our house every time I had a cold, he'd come and give me oh, a really? shot of penicillin. Oh, really? Dr. Cook was his name. He yeah. He shot a bit of so. It was in the late 40s and early 50s. That's yeah. the way it was. Yeah. You know, and you went to the office if you needed something special. Yeah. So. Well, and, you know, and when I was watching cartoons you'd, as a kid, you'd see the doctor with the, the light on his forehead. Right. You know, and I'd go to the doctor my whole life. I never saw a doctor that had a light on his forehead until I went and saw you. And you, would have, you had the mirror. Right. To look up, but that was almost right. like a, it was like an old school thing almost. But right. of course, it was practical. You're so in the early days when I trained, you know, they didn't have good lighting systems, and the bulbs yeah. would burn out all the time, yeah. and they'd break instantly. So the trick was you had the mirror. So Norman Rockwell was the painter, you know, that yeah. always painted the yeah. Doctor that's that's with, probably the, the doctor with the big mirror yeah. on his head, and that was that was the way you saw things. Yeah. You know, in the early days in Italy, the only way they could see into anything was use the sun, and they'd be out in the sun trying to look yeah. at things. But anyway, and then later the technology came better, so you could use a headlight. Yeah. And we had headlights, really good ones in the OR, and not so much in the office. And then they became available for the office, uh, and. Uh, we use that. That was much more efficient. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I think when you were, I saw you, you had like the headband with the with the mirror. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you know I was trained. Now a lot of docs yeah. now don't use that anymore. They're not trained to use it. Yeah. You know, but I was trained that way, and it's just second nature, so it was easy. But if yeah. you know, I put that in the hands of some of the newer ENTs, they've only used headlights. 
right. you know, so. Do you have any pictures of yourself wearing those? You ever? Oh, they're any? way back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything in those days was slides, you know. So I had, you know, we were taking slides of so, so many things, you know, my all my activities, yeah. fishing and skiing, hiking and scenic stuff. Yeah. And then digital came along, so I switched everything over to that. Yeah. And that's the, the other thing I realized when I, I, I went to you for that. And then I started taking my son because he started getting the allergy drops, you know. Right. But you had the best waiting room because you had such great photos. Up in, and I'd always, you know, stare at all those photos. And there's a lot to look from, you know. Yeah. And, and I didn't even realize until later on that they were your photos. You took all those. Well, I was pretty lucky. So yeah. in my internship, I was working in Pittsfield, Massachusetts for a while. And they had a... Uh, camera shop there and they took me under their wing and taught me a lot so I learned photography there yeah. I was pretty good but not really good and then uh, I always had a camera with me for all the sports that we did so the fishing and the skiing mm. and landscape stuff and we published my wife and I published books on skiing and fishing over the years and always had the camera and it opens doors like you can't believe I didn't sell stuff to friends. I yeah. gave pictures away, and I had a. Pr I still do. Yeah. I have a printer, and if we go on a trip, you know, a ski trip or fishing trip, and I get a nice photo, I make it up and give it to them. Yeah. You know, and that's just fun. Hey everyone, John Wick here. You might recognize this buttery smooth voice from the episode 81 of the Buttecast. Along with my wife, Cassie, I want to take a second and thank everyone for supporting 5518 Designs, our store at 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte. For seven years now, we have made it our goal to celebrate who we are and what we enjoy about living in Butte and in Montana. At 5518, you'll find the latest in-house designed apparel and gifts that do just that. And they're all produced locally and finished in store. We also carry a wide variety of outdoor essentials from trusted brands like Chaco, Kavu, and Dekine. I invite you to stop in the next time you're shopping, eating, or even playing in historic Uptown Butte. 5518 Designs, 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte, and online at shop5518.com. Are you looking for a place to host a special event or a party, or just looking for a drink served by the best mixologist in town? Look no further than 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino. Take a step back in time and enjoy some of our signature cocktails such as an old-fashioned or a pink mate. Stop in for happy hour Monday through Thursday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday for $2 cans of your favorite beer or two for five seltzers or well mixers. Or try one of our tap beers for just $5 along with weekly specialty cocktails. Located underneath the Miners Hotel, where Butte locals receive a 20% discount on rooms, 51 Below has live music every Friday night. So stop by 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino for a good time with good friends and great drinks. And don't forget to dial 5. You want to watch your favorite football team on Sunday, but it isn't on TV? No problem. Go to Metal Sports Bar & Grill and check out all the games. In addition to a full-service bar and a menu full of terrific entrees cooked to perfection, Metals also has the Sunday ticket. Kick back with some raised fingers, the best pizza in town, and a refreshing drink as you root on your team on one of 31 big screen TVs at Metals. Don't miss a moment of your favorite team with Metals Sports Bar and Grill, where the food is the star. Metals is open at 11 a.m. every Sunday during football season. There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. 
Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary. This message is brought to you by Anode Designs here in Anaconda. Hi, this is Blake, sports broadcasting legend and Golden Tee Golf semi-professional. During my time as a world-renowned sports broadcaster, covering all 12,348 Montana schools over my 21 years on the job, I've seen and heard it all. But nothing compares to the Buttecast. Don't take it from me. Take it from a formerly employed disc jockey turned shrewd corporate shill. Tell you all about it. Hi, Paul Panisco here. Over my time in broadcasting, Blake is easily in the top 120 broadcasters I've ever heard call a high school volleyball match before. And forget about being the best voice ever in Anaconda High School streaming service history. He's also his family's all-you-can-eat buffet eating champion. Ha <laughs> ha! Embellishment is the word of the day, kids. And there's nobody who embellishes facts and figures quite like our boy Billy here on the Buttecast. Mr. Foley is doing a fine job letting all of us outsiders learn about the trials and tribulations of the second or third greatest city here in Montana, our baby brother Butte. And because he's doing such a fine job, let us tell you of another who does fine work in your fair city, John and company at 5518 and Big City in Uptown Butte. They can customize any wearable garments you can imagine, except the thongs and unmentionables Billy wears. That's all us here at Anode Designs. If your company is needing embroidery in a jiffy, call on us here at Anode Designs. We know you can't get it in a week anywhere else, but we can. And all jokes aside, cue your Bears and Red Sox takes. That's no embellishment. Yeah, did you do a lot of dark room? Dark room I did back in the day, yeah. but I stopped. When I came to Butte, our well was not amenable. It had too many chemicals, yeah. too much mineral in it to do any photo work. So I just sent stuff out. And then when right. digital came, I became a Photoshop guy and learned yeah. how to do that. Digital, boy, what a game changer that was. Oh, it's for everything. Yeah. I, took, I had to take photography class at journalism school, which I'm pretty sure the, the lab doesn't exist anymore because it'd be silly to make people take the lab yeah. for photography. Now, this was in, the late, in mid to late 90s I'm taking right. that class. And I t it was so tough to go in that dark room and get that roll, take that film out of the camera, put it on the on the roll, and then all, you know. Yeah, put it in the chemicals. Put in all that stuff. It. Yeah, it and was it. tough to do. Oh, yeah. But it was one of the coolest things, though, is when you're throwing that blank piece of paper into the water, and all of a sudden an image comes yeah, on. Yeah, it comes <laughs> it's <laughs> it was, amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I, and no, Pat Ryan, he's, he's got a lot of stuff to do work. He does some of that work now. You know, he likes to do the old Yeah, there are a lot of people that still like to do, especially mm -hmm. black and white. Yeah. The Ansel Adams type of uh, yeah, and that's all I, we took. Was all, it was all black and white when we yeah, and but it was great, and you can make nice copies. They take a picture of someone's dog or something, you know, and then you give it to them, and yeah, people thought that was it's great. just fun. Yeah, so. and but the but the digital, of course, that's a different thing because when if you went to a football game, you know, back like Walter Hennick when he'd go to a football game, he, I think, was told maybe two rolls of film, one roll of film, sometimes you know, because they didn't it's expensive stuff. Yeah, and then they had to go take the pictures. You get thirty six shots. You go and hope one of them works out. Exactly. When I was shooting for Butte Sports, covering Butte High or Butte Central or Tech football, I'd shoot a thousand photos, 
and maybe you get 10 that you could put in a, yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a in a slide. Well, now know? the technology is so good, you can shoot at 20 and 30 frames a second. That's still camera stuff, not yeah. video. And now you can actually take uh, some of the video and actually pick a particular picture and, and make a print out of it. Yeah. You know, at 100 frames a second, it's amazing what you could yeah. do if you yeah. want to. So what kind of camera do you carry now? Uh, I have Nikon equipment. Yeah. So I have a Z9, it's called. Yeah. I well, it can't beat Nikon, I don't think. I think that's kind of the top of the line. Yeah, it? well, there's so many good ones, but Nikon, yeah. Canon. Yeah, seems like the photographers, the most the Sony. real photographers are in the Nikon. Yeah. More than anything. Well, you'll notice, you see the white one, the white lenses are usually the Canon lenses. Yeah. The big white ones and the yeah. black ones are usually the Nikon lenses. And they vary. They have, their technologies improve, you know, every four or five years. Yeah. And they have to get their, you know, if you're a sports photographer, you got to get your images in instantly. So they're shooting, you know, yeah, like you do, a thousand pictures. and But they're all in focus because the autofocus is so good. Yeah. And they're good. They're great at what they do. Mine weren't all in focus. <laughs> yeah. I had one of my friends here in Montana that I skied with. Bill Salaz was his name. He was a professional photographer at the high end and going yeah. to the Olympics and things like that. And he'd have a 500 or 600 millimeter lens and he could turn the focus and take pictures of football or active basketball, active yeah. sport, outdoor, especially football, because you didn't have the... You, you needed so much light in those days yeah. to get a picture. But most of his would be in focus. And it was really hard to do. And he was a yeah. big boy. He was six, six or something like that. Yeah. But he was pretty brilliant at that. Yeah, some of the toughest work was to get good focus shots with color when you're shooting like in the Butte High Gym was always, even though it looks like it's kind of bright when you're watching the game in there, yeah. it's so dark for the camera. You know, and some of the gyms at Civic Center is pretty dark. Yes, exactly. You know, but tech is always, the lighting at tech was good and at the Mac, the lighting was good. You know, but uh, there's nothing worse than when you thought you got a good shot and you look on on your camera like, yes, that's a good one. Then you pull it up on your screen and it's blurry, you know. <laughs> it's just a little, like, oh. Yeah, that's always the case. But, yeah. you know, you keep shooting. But action yeah. stuff, you got to be on it. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't repeat itself. No, you, you don't know? get to redo it. <laughs> you don't. You can't rewind it. And <laughs> no take. instant replays. Yeah. And, I, and of course, I'd, I'd get such... Uh, camera envy sometimes when I'd see the people with way better cameras than me or better bigger lenses probably mostly bigger you know you know because some of those uh people could uh, Carrie Larry she's just shooting taking pictures for of her kid and her camera was way nicer than mine <laughs> it's like, yeah. like well, a lot for of a it's while. the photographer yeah you know the only time you need those big fancy long lenses is we're doing high speed action photography yeah. or you're into shooting pictures of wildlife birds yeah. bears things like that, that you need a fast lens, you know, with great autofocus capabilities and uh, be able to get the speeds that you want to stop yeah. the action. So yeah. you, you must have a pretty decent lens for your I, I have a good lens. Yeah. I didn't. These lenses have gone crazy. I mean, those lenses you see each at the football games, the big long ones. Yeah, they're fifteen, twenty thousand dollar lenses. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to justify that if you're not a professional. Yeah. You know, so I couldn't justify it. It's just, you know, I don't have that need. I'm taking pictures at home with the dog and birds around the house. And, yeah. But I do mostly landscape, so I have sharp lenses for, for that sort of thing. They don't have to be those big, long telephotos. Yeah. And you had some pretty cool wildlife photos. Oh, I did. Yeah. We did worked, well, everywhere we go, we have the camera yeah. in the car ready. Oh. And the situation, you know, it's a 400-millimeter lens, 
but not the big fancy one. It's, it's yeah. sort of lesser. It's a zoom lens, 80 to 400. Yeah. And, you know, if you have the camera there and the deer pops out in the right light and you take its picture, you've got a good chance you'll get something good. Yeah. But if it's sitting in the back seat, you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> no, you got to have it ready to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, and then the light around Montana is so beautiful. You know, you know, you look at the highlands a lot of evenings. Every night that place lights up. There are some nights that are just so unbelievably pretty. I have hundreds and hundreds of pictures of that set of peaks from yeah. where I live at sunset. Just yeah. each night is different. So yeah. you, you're ready and, oh, here we go again. Everything's turning. Charlie Russell sky is out, you know. <laughs> you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. For sure so I do. Charlie Russell was an artist and uh, he was a great painter. And his skies were just really like it yeah. is in real life. Yeah. And people back east couldn't believe that when they saw that until yeah. they come out here. So I was just looking at some of his paintings the other day. Someone posted something on Twitter, one of his paintings, and then I clicked. It was on a site to see a bunch of them. And it's just a pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. But, uh, now, have you ever uh, just like go like on a huge hikes just to try to find wildlife then? Uh, do you go, you do that? If, only in Yellowstone. Oh, really? Okay. Yellowstone Glacier. Yeah. Okay. Glacier, you got to be bear aware. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know? I'm kind of a little nervous of those bears. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it, it's an issue, yeah. especially, you know, when, if they have cubs or something like that. Yeah. Yellowstone, again, you're, you're more, I'm more driving around type of guy. I, yeah. I just never had the time. You know, we're always busy with something yeah. to just Cause, sit. Because the reason I ask is your photos look like there was something that you like went on like a four day hike to get, you know, which. Well, no, you, you can do a lot cool. from the road. Yeah, that's crazy. That. In Yellowstone Park, if you think about it, yeah. you know, you drive through that park enough times in your lifetime, you know, you're going to see amazing things. I mean, my wife and I were taking pictures of Buffalo one year and we were out in the Lamar Valley. And this is back in the day when no one was in the Lamar Valley. Yeah. Now it's crazy. Yeah, it's so we oh, that looks nice. Let's hike over there to some rocks, you know, and, and have a little picnic or whatever Damn. and then a herd of buffalo decides <laughs> from three miles away to come by and surrounds the rock uh, and the rangers over there looking at us yeah that was pretty interesting i'm glad you guys didn't try to move <laughs> <laughs> that could have been scary you know, but got great stuff out of that yeah you know and then you're driving along and you see a wolf or you see a bear or you see a, a deer or something like that and you have the camera you get great things yeah now the guys that work at that or the ladies that work at that they're amazing they put in hours and hours in spots and just waiting and watching yeah you know so when you see you know somebody with the great grizzly bear pictures that didn't go to alaska yeah okay and they're coming out of the park or Got glacier patient, yeah. you know they put in some real time yeah. they're, they're fantastic you gotta be dedicated to it there's a video i don't know if you saw it for a few years came out. i think it was an elk there's a guy sitting like cross-legged on the side of the road and he's and the elk's like kind of I think it could have been a deer. I can't remember, but it was just like hitting them with the, the antlers and stuff and the guy, like attacking when people are trying to scare it away and the guy's just covering up and then the elk or the, the animal would take a break and the guy's got his little camera, just click, 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 and then covering up again. <laughs> but, but just to, just to have the thought that, you know, the dedication, this thing's trying to kill me, but here's a chance to get a couple more photos. <laughs> he's, he's stupid. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's a line there. Yeah. Of bravery and stupidity, right? Yeah. My wife always told me this story. Uh, her dad and the family they lived in Warden, Montana, as I mentioned, mm. and they would go up in the park after harvest and spend you know a week or so, ten days every fall before the kids had to go back to school and harvest was done. 
So one day they're in one of the bear jams. Okay, and they're sitting there and they look up, uh, up front and their dad goes up there to see what the hell's going on. You know, that's his <laughs> words back in the day. Yeah. And there's the ranger just screaming at this guy. What in heck do you think you're doing, you yeah. stupid SOB? <laughs> you know, I was just trying to get a picture of the bear. So what was he doing? He had his driver's seat open. He's pushing the black bear into the front seat to pick, take a picture of the bear with his wife. Wow. This is, this is the craziness that's, that, that that's goes dumb, on in Yellowstone yeah. every year. And now everyone yeah. wants a selfie. Yeah. So they try and get close to the animal and take a selfie. And, and you know, you see people getting flipped up in the air by, by the buffalo and all yeah. that sort of thing. It's yeah, we see, scary. Every year we see hundreds of those encounter videos of dummies going after the bison, messing with the bison and stuff. Crazy. And the one guy that people were going, trying to pet the moose or whatever they were doing, like in Big Sky last year, you know, it's like, you don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a, uh, I guess we'd call it a healthy respect for animals, you know, because I used to take my dog running at the Molten Ski Area. Mm-hmm. You, you ever ski up there? No. There's a hill called the Widowmaker, and I was running down that thing one time, and I go down, there's a little bridge, and I get there. My dog, I, I, she must not have saw him, or, but there's a, a, a cow moose and her, her calf right there. And I didn't call my dog or anything. I just turned around and ran right back up that hill and went the other way. That was a smart move because those moose <laughs> are so quick. Yeah, my dog came with me though, so she didn't. I thought, I thought, man, she's gonna go after that moose. She's gonna, but a moose, yeah, you, you almost have a better chance with a bear than you do a moose. <laughs> yeah, zero to thirty in ten sec in yeah. two seconds. They're really quick, and yeah. they, boy, they just want to slap you with those front. Uh, yeah, they beat hoofs. the hell out of you. They do. Yeah, so I, I have a healthy. Uh, healthy uh, fear though or respect for them i guess is way not really yeah, that's fear. what you should have and uh with the camera though you go people go with camera if i was going to take a picture of a bear i definitely would want to have a sidearm with me as well yeah. <laughs> but well that's when you have those nice long lenses you yeah, don't have to get near you can get bear. pretty cool yeah you know so that's that's a smart move yeah so unless you accidentally get near one <laughs> yeah well that happens if you're yeah. hiking in yeah yellowstone and glacier you know, that's why I do and, most of my hiking around the Big M. <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, the, the grizzlies have actually moved into other areas. So you yeah, know, they're spotting places. them all over the place. They'd never seen them before. There's yeah. grizzlies. The missions, they've even seen them south of town here. Yeah. Times, so. Yeah. Someone said they saw a grizzly behind the M one time, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing that was probably a black bear. Probably. You know, if you're seeing it up there, because should be able to identify them, but not everybody can, I suppose. You probably just assume no you really well a lot of people don't know the difference and black bears come in various colors too, yeah you know yeah, they so, can look a little different so they can be light and if you don't have that hump on the back you know you can sort of tell yeah. and the face is wider and the on the grizzlies and all that sort of thing but yeah. you know you're usually scared <laughs> to death if you're that close to look yeah. you know and you're not in your car or you're yeah i couldn't walking. imagine seeing the grizzly bear and having the the thought to take a picture i'd be taking the t- more getting the hell out of there yeah exactly <laughs> but so are, no what have you been you're busy you got you, you tell me you got meetings you're doing this what are, what are you doing now that you're retired that, that's right, keeping well, so busy all right so my other life revolved around sports yeah so one like i told you we got the dog number two mm-hmm. my photography thing mm-hmm. you know if i'm skiing fishing hiking uh, I get calls to go to places to take photographs for people. Hmm. 
you know, I got called last summer to go to British Columbia. They were starting a heli fishing program. Please come take pictures. Hmm. So they, that's not a hired thing. You just, yeah. you know, it, you get to fly around a helicopter and fish for bull trout. And, That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, it's free. So you just go yeah. and go, oh, this is great, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, so I have to manage, managing the computer and the Photoshop takes time. Yeah. I have tons of friends. I'm always on the phone. You know, with my brother and all the guys I skied with and hiked with. And then I went, you know, I had my ski trips and I'm taking pictures for them. Yeah. And then I contribute to some magazines for fishing and this and that. And then my wife and I, you're just busy. We had to clean out the house, uh-huh. you know, get rid of half the junk that we accumulated <laughs> over all these years. Because we never had time to do it. You'd come yeah. home at night and you'd get home 6.30, 7.30, you know. And, you know, by the time you had dinner and finished you got some work done but you had also paperwork and other things you know doctors these days the paperwork and the computer is overwhelming to a degree so they spend a lot of their hours doing that so that disappears at least i had that free time yeah then i'm tying flies and you know managing the household and helping my wife she's a saint she works so hard you know just helping you know living out in the country is a different thing yeah you live in town everything's taken care of for you the road's plowed you know, you might have to shovel your driveway or use a snowblower, but that's about it. But out there, it's another another issue. Yeah. You guys got quite a bit of land? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, we bought acreage when we came here. We thought about buying in town or out of town. We bought raw land and developed it, you know, brought in power, phone, you know, and all that sort of thing back in the day. Yeah, you know? that wasn't probably easy. No. No, it was mine more than I planned. She's a ranch girl, so she knew what she was doing. Yeah. So, but she, she, we managed it pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm good. Was she? Uh, was she from Pennsylvania too? Or? No, she's Warden, as I oh, told she, you. Oh, she. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the Warden guy. Warden. So, where's Warden at? Where exactly? East of Billings, by about thirty miles. Okay. So, so Pompey's Pillar Huntley Project, yeah. that that area. Now, how did you guys meet? Was it as? In, it met, she in was medical? she was a medical student. Yeah. Came in. What did she start talking to me about? Fishing. With her boyfriend up in the Beartooth Mountains, <laughs> catching cutthroat that were 25 inches long. Oh, really? A girl does that? That's interesting. Yeah. You find yeah. a girl like the that, you marry her, Hook, right? line, and sinker. <laughs> you know, gone. But we did everything together. We hiked and climbed. We went over the Himalayas, climbed, fished. We, you know, when we published our fishing books, we had traveled a lot over Florida and Costa Rica and Bahamas and Belize and places like that, all tropical fishing. Yeah. Fell in love with that at an early age. And then we had a ski career, you know, here we had, luckily we had Discovery. Yeah. And Big Sky was in its prime, you know, when you could go there and there weren't lines and it was cheap. Not yeah. like today. No, it's, there's lines it, and it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's different. Oh my yeah. God. Discovery's the last best place. Yeah. It really is just like, you know, McLean put in his novel. You know, it's just, it's a wonderful hill. If we have snow, it's just great. Yeah. So. Is that, you do most of your skiing there? Locally. Yeah. And then I started helicopter skiing in the so, late, so late the, 70s. You did helicopter skiing. So you're, so the backside's no problem for you? Well, it is now. Because <laughs> the backside's steep. Backside's tough for anybody. Yeah, it's steep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the steepness isn't the big deal. It's the bumps and lumps yeah. and things like that and the trees and the stumps. You got to pay attention. It's real skiing. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so you, you you gotta be careful. Oh yeah, in the backside. But that granite lift is just such a pleasure to glide on, and yeah. they they've really upped their 
taking care of that hill. So it's just, it's pretty special. Well, helicopter skiing, that's, that's kind of, that can be dangerous. You're getting oh, into aval avalanche territory yeah. and stuff. Do you ever have a, you ever cause an avalanche when you're skiing? No, no I never did. No. My wife had to jump out of one one night, one day. Really? She was in a group after me and, uh, we had skied down that particular slope, nothing happened. And then as they're starting into it, it slid, she jumped back and nobody was caught or anything, but you know, she watched it go down. It was not pleasant. Yeah. But uh, I've never had any close calls, but you know, there are accidents, helicopter crashes, avalanche, you know, you hear people falling in what's called a tree. Well, you know, big empty space. Oh yeah. A tree they're dangerous. Yeah. When there's deep snow. So, you know, you, you ski with, people that you trust you have a partner to ski with in the trees that you trust that'll take care of you and vice versa yeah and you use your head and you it's a real bonding thing you go on any adventure trip you know whether it's climbing or skiing or even the fishing trips it's the same thing you know yeah. and you spend time with people and you depend on each other and then you have more fun than you could ever imagine yeah. and we were all good skiers you know did so, you ski at a young age too no really? I, I didn't start till i was 18 really yeah so I learned in Pennsylvania a little bit, and I, like I said, I went to med school in, for, in upstate New York, Albany, because yeah. it was close to the The snow there must be insane, that the lake effect Oh, no, it's snow terrible. Really? So the way New York sits is the western part where the Buffalo Bills play and all yeah. that, they get all these lake effect storms. Yeah. And northern Vermont would get some lake effect storms, but the rest of it sort of not. Uh -huh. So that western part, you'll hear all the storms all the time that are terrible, but they have an average decent snowfall, you know, 40, 50 inches a year. Yeah. But at times they'll get 36 at a, at a, a, at a storm. Yeah. And, but Vermont skiing can be anything. It rains a lot in the winter. Oh, ice, really? blue ice. That's, well, that's fun, why everyone yeah. comes to the Rocky Mountains to ski because yeah. our, our conditions are so good. Shop where the champions shop. Dig City Supply is now the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics, and you're home to everything or diggers. But that's just where we start. We've got Uptown's largest selection of Butte High and Butte Central apparel, as well as all the area elementary schools. And while you're in, be sure to check out our special line of gear that we call the Butte Icon Collection. We've partnered with some cherished Butte businesses and organizations to create some fun, nostalgic designs, celebrating all the awesomeness that we have right here in town. Wear your pride from Dig City Supply, the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics. Uptown Butte at 43 West Park Street and online at digcitysupply.com. Lockmer Plumbing is more than Butte's complete union plumbing shop. Whether it is sponsoring Little League Baseball, High School Athletics, Montana Tech, Youth Racing, 4-H, Mining City Christmas, Action Inc.'s Homeless Solution Program, Head Start, or Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Butte, Lockmer Plumbing is always looking out for the people of the mining city. Owned and operated by Troy and Amy Lockmer since 2002, Lockmer Plumbing can handle all your residential, commercial, and industrial plumbing needs as well as making repairs and installations on all plumbing and boiler systems. In the heart of Uptown Butte, Lockmer Plumbing can also assist on new construction and planning for your new home or development. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerPlumbing.com today. Lockmer Plumbing has your pipes covered and so much more. Oh look, there's another one. Your favorite tavern, neighborhood gas station, and video stores have all been turned into the same thing, a casino. At Crazy Carol's, we've been doing things the right way for more than three decades. So let me introduce myself. 
I'm Deb Dinius, the manager of Crazy Carol's Casino Meal Bar, where you'll always find fun in motion and service that sets us apart. Take a trip off the beaten path. Come on over to the hood. We're located on the corner of Walnut and Hayes, where you'll find the big red barn just off the shores of beautiful Lake Berkeley. And don't forget, Buckle the Horse is available for photos. At Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar, we're still so grievous after all these years. Thank you, Butte. Everybody knows the place to go. Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar. You already know about the Knights of Columbus Athletic Club, which is the best workout bargain in town. But did you know the KC also is home to JoyFit 406? JoyFit 406 is Butte's only boutique fitness studio offering indoor cycling as well as a rich variety of other fitness classes from dance fitness and bar to Pilates, strength and conditioning, and flow. Regardless of your fitness level, JoyFit 406 fosters a spirit of inclusion and community. At JoyFit 406, they believe in more than just fitness. They believe in building connections and friendship that last a lifetime. Join their vibrant community today where health, happiness, and camaraderie come together in perfect harmony. Your journey to a stronger, more joyful you starts at JoyFit 406. To book a class or to get more information, visit JoyFit406.com, like JoyFit406 on social media, and download the JoyFit406 app. Also, don't forget to book the renovated Knights of Columbus Hall for your party or reception today. The Knights of Columbus is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast. Hey Butte America, Jeremiah Shields here at Lescovar Honda. We got some winter specials designed to keep your vehicle clean and looking sharp. If you're in need of a new windshield, let us take care of you and we will take $60 off of your next full detail. Short on funds? No worries. We've got flexible financing terms for just about everybody. Also, we are offering free windshield chip repair and headlight restoration with the purchase of a full detail. Remember, we offer pickup and delivery service as well at no cost. Because here at Lescovar Honda, we got you. My favorite place, I haven't skied in over 20 years probably now, but I used to like going to... Uh... Lost Trail. Lost Trail's phenomenal. Because it's the powder, they call it Lost Trail Powder Mountain, which yeah. is nicely named because it's a lot of powder there. Yeah, and they have a great base right now. So, Do they? you know, Lost Trail's, it's a very unique ecosystem there. Yeah. Very unique. Yeah. So. Have you been out skiing this year then? Uh, I went up to Canada this year. Did you? Yeah, I got invited. Really? Yeah. So I, I went uh, early January. I had three and a half great days, and then it got that cold snap. Yeah. So I had, I had a great time. Where'd you ski in Canada? At Mike Wigley Hilly Skiing. Really? Yeah. Pretty nice. Oh, it's a great place. Yeah. It's first class. They take yeah. good care of you. The guide, the guide there has been a friend for 40 years. So really? we ski together for 40 years. He's come down here. Funniest thing on the planet. He comes down here to stay with us one June. So I'm working. My wife's home. She's retired. He comes to the Knights of Columbus gym with us. And this guy is like a world-class athlete gymnast. And he goes through his exercise routine. You know, he thinks that is the neatest gym on the planet. He says, you couldn't have this existing in Canada. They wouldn't allow it. <laughs> he said, but all my friends would say, who is that guy? Yeah. He's doing stuff up there we've never seen anybody do. <laughs> you know, because he's a world-class athlete. Yeah. You know, they're a different level. Yeah. You know, those gymnastic. And he's a ski, and ski a guide. Yeah. Uh, amazing skills. So, Do you bike at all? Very little. I'm walking the dog, hiking with the dog. Yeah. So I want to take my bike up to, well, I want to get a nice bike to take up to Whistler, British Columbia. So I've seen those trails they have there on my iFit when I'm riding my Nordic track bike. Okay. You know, and they're just, it looks like it's 
of course, uh, I talked to a guy who came down from Canada. A butte guy was came down, or not from Canada, from uh, Alaska, and he was right. He rides his bike around the Big M and stuff, and the and out Thompson Park and in, mm-hmm. in, in the summertime. And he says Butte is mountain bike heaven. You do. Well, you don't have people. You yeah, don't have crowds. Yeah. You like the trails, though, or. Yeah, I do a little bit. I haven't. I don't do too much. So I, I yeah. wrecked. I wrecked three years ago and I broke a rib. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm kind of I, accident. I heard that dog. when you were talking to Doctor Mark. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was. It was so hurt bad. like hell. Oh, bro- it was miserable. I broke when I hit a tree at Big Sky one day. Yeah, it wasn't smart. Little tree. It, I thought it'd be nothing, but boy, it it broke a rib. Huh? Knocked me. Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst. Dude. It knocked the wind out of you. Yep. Yeah. That For was a short worst. time. Yeah. The, that was. I didn't think I was going to breathe again. I was, I, I got up and I, it took, took like for, you know, I probably didn't take, it was probably 10 seconds, but it felt like forever before I got a, uh, and, you yeah. know, I didn't think it was ever coming back. Yeah, you bet. thought I was so. dying right there behind the big M. <laughs> Especially when you're alone and that happens. Yeah. But most of my friends that bike, most have had some yeah. disaster, you know, usually not their fault, just something odd happens. Yeah. But, you know, it, there's risk, but look, there's risk with anything you do. You go skiing. You play basketball. I've watched more guys tear an ACL on that court. Yeah. Not, and not for say anything stupid, just happens. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Achilles. Seen a few Achilles snap. No, I haven't seen that one. Saw that uh, Mark McCarthy did that in uh, softball. That's when I decided I was done with softball. I was about 34, 35. And that was when you'd play softball, and the next day you'd be sore as hell because – you know, you weren't stretching properly. Like, you know, when you were a kid, you didn't need oh, to stretch yeah. before you played a little league baseball game. But we weren't, weren't warmed up. Then you'd be hurting the next day. But our, uh, Paul McCarthy, not Mark McCarthy. Yeah. Paul McCarthy, an Anaconda guy who coaches Butte High Basketball now, he goes down to, to field a, a ball at third base. I was coaching third base. And he's a third baseman. And the ball goes through him. And I heard a big snap. I thought it. You know, I thought the ball hit his leg, but I'm like, well, the ball went straight. It didn't ricochet. And he went down and he said, I, I snapped my Achilles. I said, well, how do you know it snapped? He goes, because I did the other one a couple of years ago. Of I'm like, well, I think I don't need to do that. Yeah, you bet. So I, I, that's why I, I decided I haven't played KC ball in a long time. But I just like to ride my – I used to run. Of course, and now I can't run yeah. anymore. Now I ride well, in softball, you're not sort of warmed up, and you no. have a sudden 100% exertion to yeah. do something. From zero to 100, just like that. Yeah, you know, although when I watched Aaron Rodgers go down, it didn't look like it was much. No. That thing was ready to go. Yeah. You, you think know? so? You think it was just a matter of time? Yeah. Well, you, when you saw what happened, it didn't yeah. look like much, but it, it snapped. Yeah. You know, most people, it's a big ski injury, something that goes, or like you said, softball's incredible for people that don't do a lot, and then you're all of a sudden you're out there, and then you're running 100%, and they're athletic. You know, they have yeah. skills. They can move quick. But they're not warmed up or whatever yeah. it is, or stretched out. It sends a lot of guys Stop. to the emergency room every year, though. You bet. <laughs> softball does, for sure. Did you ever play softball or any of that? Did here? Did you for a while? I played with uh, Bobby Leipheimer. Oh, did you back in the day? Uh, yeah. You guys have a pretty good team. Third base, they are okay. We were old guys. Yeah. Now we were in the thirties back at those. But you were days. fast still. Yeah, but you know, I was a decent hitter, not great. Yeah. And then I. When I started playing basketball, you know, that, that was enough because we'd get home. My wife would never get home till seven thirty, eight o'clock, so I was sort of in charge at the house yeah. for a while. So it worked out. I didn't have time to go to right. league. Did you guys ever have any kids? No. Yeah. I have two boys from the previous, and really? they're uh, back east in Philly and Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. In Chicago, too? Huh? Yeah. 
Nice. So I wouldn't live there. No. Not nice place cool. to visit, but yeah. Yeah, it's not even nice to visit. It's nice <laughs> to visit them. Yeah. But Philly's, the, Philly's a cooler town to visit. Is it? I've never been to Philly. Yeah, but Chicago's just, they got great things to do. Yeah. And great sports teams, but, uh, you know, I don't go to visit the sports teams. I won't yeah. go to watch the grandkids play their sports, you know. Yeah. So. I, you get quite a few grandkids? I have four. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty good athletes, too? Uh, yeah, every one of them is. Really? Yeah. I went to Philly this fall, and my younger grandson, he's 14, is uh, has a specific basketball trainer, you know. And the kid's small, so he's five six, but he has ball handling skills. And this guy worked him out. He was a, you know, big-time college player that just turned to be a trainer. Yeah. And, you know, he goes every week, you know, and the guy gives him all these exercises to do, and the kid gets better. It really pushes them, yeah. you know, and it's an hour of hard work. We just played every day. You know, yeah. we just played out. We had a back alley, you know. Yeah. That's like <laughs> you live on a hill and somebody had a backboard and the ball, if you miss, would roll down the alley yeah. half a block and you had to go chase it. That's how I had on Buffalo Street. I used to have to chase the basketball down the hill all the time. All the time. That's yeah. just standard stuff <laughs> yeah. growing up when we did. Yeah. So what's next for you now What uh, other than KC ball? What do you got? Anything planned big going on? Well... What we do, our lifestyle now is every day walk, hike, do something, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, still do some skiing at Discovery when we get snow. Um, I have these photo projects. Um, still involved in the fishing thing a lot. Mm. Um, so, you know, I fish locally, uh, help a little bit at Trout Unlimited. I won't say I'm a big, a big supporter, but yeah. not... Uh, active like I was when I was younger. It's an important organization. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah. They do such good work. And, you know, our streams are under stress. And, you know, luckily you've got great people, and especially in this town and in Missoula, yeah. that are really working for, for our, our ecosystem here. Uh, you know, I, one of my better friends is Mark Thompson, and he puts on that banquet every year, you know, and they, they make a huge amount of money that gets reinvested in, in local stuff. So it's great. Yeah. So it's, it's been great. And then, you know, just have stuff that, that you yeah. got to do just to manage the household. You know, and it's not like I'm a housefrau these days, yeah. but, but I do a lot. And you know, help my wife out. She's worked her tail off all these years, yeah. so I try to be helpful. And then, you know, I have friends that we're going to see on a fishing trip with some buddies from med school. That same guy that I met over the cadaver with the photographic memory. That's awesome that you're still, you're still close friends after all that many years. Uh, we were very tight. Yeah. You know, it's just a pretty special guy. And uh, so, you know, you just stay busy. But, you know, so if you add up a little of the bit of the photography, a little bit of the flight time, a little bit of the dog, well, no, a lot of the dog, yeah. stuff to do with my wife. We don't come in town as much as we did. You know, we cook. Yeah. So we cook at home and both have skills so we can make just about anything. Oh, really? Don't bake a lot. Otherwise, I'd be a fat toad. <laughs> but uh, Well, you, you eat healthy. You're pretty healthy. Yeah. You know, You're, but uh, I'm not a purist, you know, just eat vegetables. I'm yeah. not going to do that. We have too good a livestock around this country. Yeah, but you were always, um, you're kind of a traditional medalist, or, or medicine in a lot of ways, but you did a lot of some non-traditional kind of stuff as well. Always. You? Yeah, because you're always, always kind did. of thinking outside the box. You well, know. you had to. Yeah. So at the time when... You know, they're telling you to eat margarine. I'm telling everybody, don't eat that stuff. It's yeah. terrible for you. You know, have butter. Yeah. It's a lot safer. Have olive oil. 
you know, those are basic things, yeah. but it wasn't taught that way because, you know, whoever was the guru, so-called, yeah. thought that would lower your cholesterol and it killed more people than they knew what to do with. Yeah. You know, and I was always big on the supplementation side, at least get a good multivitamin, omega-3s, you know, like you'd get out of fish, vitamin D, vitamin C, maybe some minerals, and that would be a good basic program for most yeah. people, plus exercise. Walk 20 minutes a day. Yeah. doesn't have to be vigorous, but, you know, you and I are in a different plane. We like the active stuff, so we yeah. do it, you know. But that's the biggest thing for longevity and keeping your brain yeah. is exercise. Yeah, and you were always kind of, you fought back against the, the milk. It does a body good commercial because your milk was just a good PR. Yeah. You know, didn't always do a body good. Yeah, well, I this one article I would hand out, milk is utter nonsense. Yeah, I think that's it what was, I read. It was yeah. written by a guy named Julian Whitaker. He's one of the guys <laughs> I really started me. I had his newsletter and he'd published it for about 30 years and every month he'd come out with great stuff to teach you what to do to keep healthy along the way to prevent problems rather than how you dealt with them once yeah. you got there and that's one of the biggest things so maybe that's part of my, I think I got good genetics because my joints are good yeah. but also the supplements I think made a huge difference because all my friends they got joint replacements and things like oh, that really? and I don't have any you're all 100% all 100% no. Yeah, that's probably one of the best things you could do for your for your uh, medical well-being is pick your parents that have good genetics. Yeah, right? well, that you can't do. <laughs> so, no, my dad was good. My mom had a lot of issues, but my dad was he was pretty healthy till yeah. he passed at about eighty nine. Yeah. So, and you worked until you were what seventy six. Yeah, yeah. Did you? How come you went so long? Because you could have retired well, long before that. You could retire, but one I didn't. I set up the, that's the beauty of my field. Hmm. So if you want to be the consummate surgeon and keep operating until the day you stop, hmm. that's fine. But I didn't want to do that. I, you know, the biggest operation we do that have complications is tonsils. Right. And it sounds like it's a relatively easy surgery to do, has some complications, but bleeding post-op is brutal. Yeah. And if you did that operation, you had to be around for two to three weeks afterward because people could bleed seriously and you'd want to yeah. be there for them. So I stopped doing tonsils in 70, excuse me, in uh, uh, 2021. Oh. Okay. All my friends said, you know, stop doing that. It'll relieve your stress. Yeah. And, you know, I stayed doing other surgeries that had much less complication rate. And, you know, we had excellent surgeon here, Dr. Yeah. Kaufman, who Ray kept doing that. And then we had Dr. Morrison here for a while, but she left and went over to Bozeman. So we had good coverage. So I felt like, okay, that I can cut that out, and then I don't have that responsibility. And then I had the allergy side, so we took care of the people with all the hay fever and the mold allergy, and then yeah. the food sensitivities that nobody knows. I'm not bragging. It's just I was taught by brilliant people. Yeah. And nobody knows that stuff. And the sad part is it's all going away because nobody, you know, I tried. Yeah. Say, you know, call me. I'll come give you guys talks on it, teach you, give you my paperwork, all that sort of stuff. Never get a call. Really? Nobody has time anymore yeah. dealing with the computers. So so, uh, so, I was able to cut back but still be busy as hell in the office because we had so many patients that had so many needs and, yeah. and people would come from you know, long distance to see us because of some of the successes we had with allergy. I'll tell you a simple allergy story that's simple but profound. Okay. So this 16-year-old girl from Shoto, okay? She's dizzy, dizzier than hell. Spinning, nausea, 
16 years old, can't go to school, can't drive, has been to Seattle, been to see some other super specialists in ears and this and that. And I had a PA working for me at the time named Mike Beckel. So oh, I remember Mike. Yeah. You remember Mike? Yeah. And Mike is a real good historian, took a history and got some food tests on her. And the food tests were negative. Couldn't figure it out. So he said, okay, we're going to put you on a diet. So they call this a caveman diet. You eat fruits and vegetables, meat and fish. That's it. Mm. No milk, wheat, corn, eggs, yeast, or soy. Milk, wheat, eggs, mm. you know, etc. Yeah. Corn was her problem. Mm. She stopped corn. The dizziness went away. 100%. Wow. She was allergic to corn. And it couldn't figure it out by a test. The only way you could do it was diet. Nobody ever asked anybody to do any elimination diets. So that's one of the simple things I do. I hand out a handout, do this. You know, a lot of people wouldn't do it because they were so addicted to their food, they couldn't stop. Yeah. You know, a lot of people drinking two gallons of milk a day. Wow. They're sick. They have belly pain, <laughs> bloating, they have gas, they have diarrhea, yeah. and they have headaches. Oh, and we asked them, you know, like, what do you drink? We went through that earlier. So they'd stop drinking their milk, and a lot of symptoms would get better. But then some of the oddball things, we had people allergic to dyes and colors. Never imagined that, you know, you had yeah. red dye and, you know, drink that you have. Yeah. Boom. You know, you stop that. Symptoms can go away. Headaches disappear. Migraines go away. Not in everybody, but, yeah. you know, a lot of headache is, is food related. And now you've got preservatives and artificial dyes, colors, and then you're starting to see all the other additives that you're finding out yeah. the microplastics that's in every bottled glass of water that you drink you know yeah so yeah and the food allergy thing too i have a friend who just uh twice in this la in the last years had sesame seed uh she's allergic to sesame and they change buns a lot of places where mm -hmm. they use sesame sesame uh seed uh, flour so and they didn't and a lot of like restaurants like she had a pork chop sandwich at the track meet, all of a sudden she's her throat swelling up. She's in the hospital. Oh, she's anaphylactic. That poor thing. Yeah, and uh, and then again, cause, but these those restaurants had no idea. They had no idea that their buns were changed. And then she, so she just kind of went on a, on a, a round of different grocery stores, Walmart, Safeway, and almost every pack of buns had sesame flour. You I know. didn't know that. See, that's something I just learned from you. Yeah. So you know. she and she just had an attack the other night when on accident. She was you know, incubated and you know and uh, and mm -hmm. spent a night in the ICU. It's uh, yeah, kind of scary stuff. Oh yeah. But, uh, and then another uh, with the Hall of Fame. There's a girl on my Hall of Fame committee who's to, we had dinner here at Metals, you know, and before we voted on Monday night, and she, she wouldn't eat because she's just so afraid of, you know, she's gluten and different allergies she has stuff has to be cooked on it you can't cook it on she the has same. to cook it at home yeah so she has yeah. she uh, yeah so it's kind of i mean yeah. i'm really glad i don't have to deal with that because it's oh. i mean especially because metals is so good because it's a great place to eat oh yeah but no the food uh, here is great yeah but you know it's ingredients and certain people are just have yeah. those particular problems and you can't overcome them they don't have a treatment for it yeah so you have prevention you know, you have Benadryl with you all the time, and you pop that in your mouth and have mm -hmm. your EpiPen, and you're ready. Yeah. And it scares you to death because you think you're going to oh, die. Yeah. yeah. My oh. son has the, the peanut allergies, which I didn't realize was such a big thing. I remember Matt Vincent once told me he's allergic to peanuts. I bought some peanuts, at, you know, got a bowl of peanuts at Maloney's one night, and said, here, have some peanuts. He goes, no, you're trying to kill me. I am allergic to them. I said, Jeez. I didn't you know, I never... 
You never heard, think about. Never that. thought about. It. And then my son has it, and of course he ate a. One day he ate. A, he was about four. We had a we had a day where we had three birthday parties, and he got a pack of. Uh, a, a goodie bag from one of them. I didn't realize he had it, and he ate a candy bar. He said, Dad, I ate this candy bar. It tastes terrible. Next thing you know, his tongue swelling up, and, Ooh. you know, we uh, gave him the EpiPen. Of course, we had to do it twice because the first one, he gave the wax on, yep. got the EpiPen in the thumb. <laughs> so the next one I got into his leg, it gave us yeah. two, luckily. It comes with a pack of two. Yeah. So we got him that and took him, to, and he was fine, you know. But that, that's such a thing to deal with and people make fun of that i've heard people i was listening to opie and anthony show you know like 10 years ago now somebody said uh well when we were kids they didn't have we weren't alert no one was allergic to peanuts and this guy said yeah they were called unexplained deaths yeah they yeah exactly <laughs> exactly we had people also allergic to chemicals so you yeah. know uh certain people are sensitive to formaldehyde perfumes they go yeah. in a, a large box store you know, and all the outgassing of the latex from the tires and yeah. all the aerosols, and they get sick in there, and they think it's the lights. It's not the lights. It's the chemicals that they're sensitive to. Yeah. You know, so they can't. Uh, I have a few ladies that, you know, were allergic to the perfumes and deodorants and perfumes yeah. that people would wear at work, and you know, they couldn't believe that they just thought these people were crazy, and they're not. They actually have the real yeah. deal. Yeah, and you develop, and you had the drops you give the people. Yeah. That you, you, those were stuff that you designed, right? No. Did, what happened was I joined this allergy society around 2000. Yeah. And uh, that's where I learned to do the shots. And then they advised me if I wanted to learn to do the drops, there was a fellow named David Morris in La Crosse, Wisconsin, mm. who ran a clinic over there. Uh, and they had really designed the allergy drops that were effective. He said, you want to go there? He's the best guy in the country. Go there. So I yeah. went there with my nurse at the time, Patty Fulton, who was a terrific nurse. And uh, we learned how to do that. And I became good friends with them. Uh, you know, they wanted me to move to Wisconsin. I said, no way. <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, but they were very innovative people. And they formed a corporation and spread that knowledge all over the country now. A lot of people do the drops. But there are drops for foods, there are drops for the chemicals and things like that. So this, this allergy society, that's where I learned all this stuff and brought that back here. It was just yeah. my interest. I was a kid. I had eczema, you know, the rashes and yeah. scratch and itch. Yeah, my and son I was, had I was terrible. And I was a mold allergy guy. I never knew it. And I had a professor that learned how to do that at one of our ENT uh, seminars and gave me shots. And within a couple of months, I was fixed. Yeah. You know, and I lived my whole life. My mother took me to the fancy allergist in Philadelphia, and the only thing they could figure out is give me a shot of steroid in the arm, catalog, and then that didn't work. And they never knew what to do. Because yeah. they weren't trained that way. They're yeah. great docs. If you had hay fever, they were as good as anyone in the world. But, you know, you, yeah. I needed people thinking out of the box because if you're not helping somebody, you're not doing the right thing. So the key thing, if you don't know, admit it and call somebody that might yeah, know. Yeah, swallow your pride. And, <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way else. you learn. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, who was the yeah. best orthopedic surgeon in the planet here when I came is Dr. Losey. Yeah. Remember hearing stories about Losey over in Ennis? I do, yeah. We had people Absolutely. travel from all over the country to yeah. learn from Ron Losey. And he was a GP. He was an orthopedic surgeon. Yeah. And then the other orthopedic surgeons learned from him. And then that whole field evolved into miraculous stuff that they do today. Yeah, it's, after I talked to, to Dr. Mark, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that he did. You know, like I have hip issues from, which well, Dr. Farrell told me, don't blame running, blame your parents. You yeah. know, it says your bone structure, you know. And I think 
labrum tears are diagnosed more because I think a lot of people live with them for years, you know, without even realizing it. But this, I, I'm pretty sure I can go to him and he'll be able to fix it a lot easier than just like the, the pretty decent surgery I was staring at two, three years ago. Oh, yeah. is a lot simpler process if I go to Dr. Mark. Yeah, exactly. He's of. trained in that new, newer method. Yeah. And he's good at it from what it sounds like. So yeah. he ought to be great for you. Yeah, so, so I'm going to have to go. That's why I'll, I'll wait to the end of the year when the, if we hit the deductible, then I'll go kind of, kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's got to feel good. You look back on your career. I mean, the thousands of people that you've helped, you know, with your allergies or different things. Or, you know, you, my nose is straight because of you. But uh, I really appreciate it because my, my son had severe food allergies, which he grew out, out of 90% of them. You know, I don't think he'll ever grow out of the peanut one, you know. But uh, you, you helped me understand what was going on, you know, because we didn't have any allergies, problems in my family before like that. So you helped us understand it. You gave us the drops that helped him get through the first few years of his life, you know, a lot, yeah. a lot easier and stuff. So I really appreciate the work that you've done, that you, you've done over the years. And I imagine there's, it's got to be thousands of people who still feel the same way. Oh, when that's they very talk fortunate. That's very fortunate living in a town like this. Yeah. It's so much nicer than living in a big city. Yeah. You know, especially with the families here in Butte. It's just, it's a very unique place. Yeah. There's no place that I know that the families have stayed together all these years. And, yeah. you know, and when I listen to your podcast and walk around the KC and look at all the names up on the boards, yeah. and I know all those guys. I played ball with them. <laughs> and some of them I never realized, like Bernie Brophy, I never realized how unbelievably yeah. special athlete he was. He was really was. fast, yeah. Yeah, how fast he was. And then Big Dan Saul, Mikey Mannion, yeah. you know. And then these days I play with... Guys have such skills. Lovshin, Jared. Oh, Jared, he's a baller, know, yeah. And Tanner Newman. These yeah. these guys, they're great players. You know, yeah. they're they're there every day. They're just phenomenal to play with. Yeah. You know, I never had those skills. <laughs> I was a good shot though back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But that's faded. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you decided. You and your wife decided to uh, on Butte back in all those years ago. Best move we ever made. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. We're very fortunate. It's yeah. been a great, great ride. And it's still, you know, we talk about what we're going to do, you know, as we get older, you know, people have to think about that. You know, we're yeah. in our, she's mid seventies and I'm going to be 78. Luckily we're in shape, but yeah. you know, where are you going to go? You know, if it wasn't for the cold winters, fine. But I look at these other cities, I don't want to move. Yeah. You know, I have too many friends here, you know, and it's just a, very happy place to be so yeah you know well doc i appreciate your time i've had you almost an hour and a half here now oh golly i appreciate your time and this has been a lot of fun okay well and i appreciate you even maybe, asking me maybe feel one, honored maybe one of these days I'll, I'll get back on the court and we'll play a little noombo oh good you come down anytime <laughs> you don't want to hurt yourself yeah so you just i just I don't want to get the that broken nose and i don't want to tear my achilles no no achilles please <laughs> yeah. so all right well thanks doc i appreciate you it bet.